Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, an ancient and spiritual pilgrimage across Europe and beyond. It's a journey from the comfort of your home and your thinking to a place of discovery, a place so welcoming you'll dream of returning time and again. I was absolutely delighted this week to follow a discussion on social media where someone posed the question, is there a Camino podcast? And it was, I think, on the Camino discussion page. People were posting one after another, endorsing my podcast and Lee Brennan's Camino Cafe as well. I was just so happy to see pilgrims suggesting my discussions as a way to learn, to listen, to share. I guess much like we do on the pathways leading to Santiago just as we ought to on the pathways of life. Be the helping hand, the welcoming voice, the earnest supporter. Be gentle and kind. And remember, not everyone can float. Some struggle, and swimming doesn't come naturally to everyone. El Camino de Santiago follows country trails and Roman roads, highways and byways, and winds from all corners of Europe to the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela, where we're told the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred. I've walked just two Caminos, the first in 2016 to mark my 50th birthday, and the second a year later, when I walked 1,000 kilometres from Lourdes in France via St. Jean-Peter-Port, all the way along Camino Frances to Santiago. The trip of a lifetime. Some days were easy. Some were difficult, but all were wonderful. The friends I met and keep to this day, the stories I learned and shared, the joy of slow tourism taking you places you never imagined you'd see, enjoying French and Spanish culture in slow motion, step by step along the path traversed by millions of pilgrims before me. So this week... I'll celebrate five years of podcasts with a reflection, a revisit of some of my Camino stories, my thoughts and some of the adventures I've been blessed to experience. No guest this week, just me and my thoughts. It's been such a challenge the last two years have changed us all. We didn't see it coming. News just this week that Australia will reopen its borders on February 12. The Camino beckons. <laughs> I'm thinking July. I'd love to walk again in rural France. Oleron Saint-Marie is a beautiful French provincial centre under the shadows of the Pyrenees. It's an ancient town on the banks of two rivers. The Gave d'Ospe joins with the Gave d'Osso to make the Gave d'Oleron. Time-worn homes in pastel colours climb up out of the river and the town itself was established by the Romans in the first century. The homely Gite is run by local volunteers. It's right in the heart of the old city. And the walk out of town is something out of a fairy tale. A marker outside the Oloron Saint-Marie Cathedral points the way to Santiago de Compostela. I walked that day through rain and mud, moving north while the Pyrenees loomed large to my left. A stray dog tagged along for a while, had matted hair and was in desperate need of a bath, was completely out on his feet, but... I could see him thinking, this guy's in worse shape than me. <laughs> and he headed off to fend for himself. And I arrived in L'Hôpital des Blaise about lunchtime, just in time to enjoy a beautiful meal at the restaurant Abourget du Lassay, opposite the local church. And the Jeet Pellegrino is actually unattended. You place a few euros in an honesty box in the town hall and fend for yourself. There is nowhere to buy food other than at the restaurant, but... There's a vending machine in the foyer of the town hall. You can buy pasta sauce and pasta. There's a small kitchen in the gîte. And I slept well that night after eating pears off the tree behind the gîte. Some Camino friends, Jenny and David, gave me a gift before I left. It was a book. As I walked out one midsummer morning by the British poet and author Laurie Lee. The author leaves his provincial English village to find a new life and he walks to London making a living busking, playing his violin. He ends up travelling to Spain, where he's enthralled by the culture and the people. And the book actually coincides 
with small parts of the Camino Frances. I read it in bits and pieces across France in the days leading up to my arrival in saint jean pied de port Laurie Lee finds himself in the wrong place at the wrong time, involved in the Spanish Civil War, and unable to extricate himself largely because of his love of the Spanish people he has come to know, he crosses the Pyrenees in order to return to his friends. I finished the book in Roncesvalles after crossing the Pyrenees myself. It was kind of this wonderful synergy. There's a table at the albergue in Roncesvalles where pilgrims leave items that they don't need or want. So I left the book there for someone else to pick up and wrote inside the cover, an Australian pilgrim has left this for you. All I ask is for you to leave it here on the way of St. James. Buen Camino. It's still out there. I guess the story is still being told. As I wrote these notes in my diary, I realised my time in France was coming to an end. It truly is beautiful, even better in slow motion. And it reminded me of an old saying from Nazwa Zebian. These mountains that you are carrying, you were only supposed to climb. I'm getting ahead of myself. It was a few days earlier, walking from Asson to Arudi in France was bloody hard work, actually. But day two of my journey from Lourdes to Santiago, you haven't really gained any fitness. It was steamy and heavy rain falling on lush landscape meant walking ankle deep in mud and asphalt, goat tracks and quarried stone. And in Arudi, pilgrims are invited to stay with the parish priest, Abbe Pierre. You have to book ahead as he expects les pèlerins to dine with him in the evening and to help with the meal. I took a wrong turn walking into Arudi and missed it completely. I was six kilometres down the road when a woman on her balcony waved. I asked her, Arudi! She pointed in the direction I'd just come from. Oh, no. Six kilometres back into town, before I knocked on the presbytery door, one of Abbe Pierre's regular guests greeted me. I'm sorry, I said, I, I'm, I'm late, I was lost. She said, I know. The woman called us. The presbytery itself is surrounded by a moat, and the river runs by the old town and the church steeple reaches up into a blue sky. It's beautiful countryside and French hamlets, late summer flowers and more mud up to our ankles. But Arudi feels like it is surviving. The dinner with Abbe Pierre was gorgeous. A fish bisque, salad, fresh-baked local bread, and little pussycats came to the window for a blessing or two. Abbe Pierre said, you must try the local sheep's cheese. It was absolutely sublime. And the French really ought to be put in the dock. They have shared some of their delicacies with the rest of the world. The majority they save for themselves. Abbe Pierre tore bread from a loaf and offered it to us with the cheese. I'll never forget the fromage and pain, the cheese and bread. And I lingered like the cats, hoping for more. Pilgrims from all around the world shared the table. Messi from Germany wrote notes on a piece of paper because he was deaf and dumb. He walked with us for a few days. He carried an enormous bamboo walking stick, seven feet tall, and would drag it, then slam it down to help him keep his pace. And he said he could feel the rhythm and the vibration. The noise for those beside him drove us nuts, but for him it was guidance and, and a little company, I guess. After dinner, we were given duties. Some washed the dishes, others swept the floor. And a picture of St. Joan of Arc hung on Abbe Pierre's wall. I said, you're St. Joan, Abbe Pierre. He said, no, no, no. Come, St. Joan. And we walked into the parlour at the front of the house. And he turned to a picture behind me and said, my St. Joan. And I turned around, there was a picture of Joan Baez there. I went and ran and got my guitar. I said, I must sing for you, Abbe Pierre. Of course, he said, we'll sing together. One of my favorite memories of France is sitting in that little parlor, singing We Shall Overcome, with Abbe Pierre singing perfect harmonies. But deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. We shall overcome, we shall overcome, we shall overcome some 
hand in hand We'll walk hand in hand We'll walk hand in hand Someday Oh, my heart Oh, to believe We shall a lesson all the older people that had learned how to compromise and learn how to take it easy and be polite and get along and leave everything as they were the young people taught us all a lesson we are not afraid we are not afraid we are not afraid today Oh, in my heart Oh, I do believe We shall overcome someday In the whole wide world Camino taught me peace of mind relies first and foremost on peace. In 2017, walking in France from L'Hôpital Saint-Blaise to Saint-Gilles-de-Bert, just a day before arriving in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, after 31 kilometres I missed the turn and walked another 8 kilometres towards Saint-Jean. So by the time I walked in Saint-Gilles-de-Bert, I had walked 47 kilometres in a day. It was 5pm and the town was asleep as the French shut down for family time. The only gîte, the French version of albergues, was full. I had nowhere to stay, nowhere to rest, and nothing to eat. And I spotted a shell on a fence, and the shell is the international symbol of pilgrimage, of St. James. And I'm a pretty cautious kind of bloke, I guess, but that day, whether it was how tired I was or how fed up I was, I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? So I knocked on the fly screen door, and the, the door inside opened in a very gruff, deep voice, said something in a language that I couldn't work out. I couldn't, I didn't know what he was saying and I didn't know what language he was speaking. So I just said, hello, I'm a pilgrim looking for a bed. And he said, where are you from? In English. And I said, Australia. And then the screen door opened and an enormous man with arms like tree trunks and fit as a bull stood before me. Australia, he said, where have you walked from? told him I had walked 47 kilometres that day from L'Hôpital Saint-Blaise. Why did you knock on my door? He said. I told him I'd seen the shell in the fence. Wait, he said. And he called out, Anna, and again spoke in a language I didn't recognise. 
He turned to me and said, uh, yes, okay, you can stay. 20 euros for the bed, 20 euros for the meal. Kick off your muddy shoes and come in. He sat down in his kitchen and rolled me a cigarette. He poured me a coffee that came out of his jug like molasses. And the cigarette and coffee were heaven. And he cut me up some fruit all the while. He wasn't talking, just looking at me. Then he said, mountain fruit here. And he handed me an apple and a pear. And he said, I work in the Pyrenees. I take care of the emergency shelters. And his name was Raymond. We talked all night. He said, I am not Spanish. I'm not French. I am Basque. As he slammed his hand on the table. Ah, it made sense to me. He explained the philosophy behind the Basque people, their culture, their language, their homeland, and he was incredibly passionate about his cause, his people's cause. And I told him my story. He told me his. Anna was an artist who worked mainly from home. and She asked me to sing them a song. And I pulled out my guitar and they asked about the stamps on the face of the instrument. Cellos on a soundboard, I said. Raymond said, we have a stamp here. And he leant over the guitar under the pale lamplight and pushed the stamp into the ink pad and rolled it gently back and forth on the front of the guitar. And it looked like a golden tortoise. It is a gold tortoise, he said. Slowly we will beat the French. Slowly we will beat the Spanish. He said they were peaceful people. They lived a peaceful life. And I could feel the peace they were offering me and the love they shared. I'd walked 47 kilometers that day. I was lost. And I'd been found. I played John Lennon's Imagine for them. You may say, I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Someone sent me a poem this week. It's by Mother Teresa. Of all the people to have written this poem, it struck me that Mother Teresa had seen so much death to write about life with such clarity just astounded me. Life is an opportunity. Benefit from it. Life is a beauty. Admire it. Life is a dream. Realize it. Life is a challenge. Meet it. Life is a duty. Complete it. Life is a game. Play it. Life is a promise. Fulfill it. Life is a sorrow. Overcome it. Life is a song. Sing it. Life is a struggle. Accept it. Life is a tragedy. Confront it. Life is an adventure. Dare it. Life is luck. Make it. Life is too precious. Do not destroy it. Life is life. Fight for it. I could fill three books telling stories of the people I've met on the Camino. I guess here for five years and a celebration of sorts of, of what it means to be bringing people's stories to you for five years. Time's gone like that. It's incredible. But I was sitting in the street in Arge. Uh, beers were 90 cents each. And a German pilgrim, Jan, was sitting at the end of the table. And he was sitting next to a British pilgrim named Ted. Ted's a terrific character. The Camino really changed him. He's episode 50 of My Camino, the podcast. Jan, on the other hand, was a physicist, a, a kind of German guy with a soaring intellect in the flesh, so gangly and unpredictable, we called him the frog in the sock. <laughs> Ted and Jan were sitting at the end of the table, and I was halfway up, not really paying attention to very much, really, just minding my own business. But the conversation went something like this. Jan, the German, what is your name, man? Ted, the British ex-fireman, said, I'm Ted. Jan, the German physicist, said, Would you like a beer, I'm Ted? <laughs> and I turned to Ted and said, You know you're going to be I'm Ted for the rest of the Camino. Yep, he said, I figure you were right. Ted later admitted that he quite liked the name I'm Ted. It was a new identity, an opportunity to leave some of his past behind, a gift from Jan. Scott and Belinda Ford are... Australians who live in Wellington in New Zealand, two nicer people you could not possibly hope to meet. They're episode 38 of my podcast. They left their tween aged children at home to do a bit of living, and they did. I met them, feet up on chairs in the courtyard of the albergue in Lorogno, smiles a mile wide, and I arrived in Santiago the day before them. 
and I was genuinely sad I missed them. The following day on my way to the bus station to meet my lift to Madrid, they walked around the corner. We literally bumped into each other. So big hugs and Camino smiles. They are great people. Collectively, my Camino family and I were known as the Australians. There was another group walking at the same time as us with three or four US pilgrims who were known collectively as the Americans. They were great people, really genuinely funny, kind, generous, and caring people. We loved them. One of the inverted commas Americans was a British girl from Yorkshire, Georgina. We used to call her Geoffrey Boycott after the English cricketer who famously hailed from that neck of the woods. We loved Georgie. Her smile would light up the room and she made her way to Sydney after she finished her comedo and we stayed in touch, catching up from time to time. She has a heart of gold. Katie Trulson is a teacher in North Queensland. We loved Katie. She made us laugh. And Katie's my guest in week 43 of my Camino the podcast. Her poem, I Learned to Just Be, sums up what a Camino can mean to some people. She took time to reflect on the Camino and I hope she finds what she's looking for. She deserves it. Melanie Blah is a golden soul. Mel walked with us from time to time and actually arrived in Santiago de Compostela alongside the Americans, with eyelashes like feathers and a gentle touch. Mel is a Camino delight. She charmed us and we were all under her spell. We all loved her. She is a global human being. A wonderful life she lives and a wonderful life awaits. Dr Etienne and I walked for many days together. A Belgian surgeon, he was wise and hilarious and generous to a fault, and he documented our journey in glorious photographs. Etienne and I walked the 18-kilometre journey between Fromista and Calzadilla de la Cueza. <laughs> I sang songs and we walked and talked, and he took incredible photographs. The road is straight, unforgiving and bare. Barren fields line the path as you head due west into a blinding sun and wind. Etienne put his hand up to slow me. We edged forward, heading south. A lone pilgrim sat atop a small pyre of hay bales. Etienne took the photo. Anya, a German pilgrim, turned slowly toward us. What are you doing? she said sternly. I'm just capturing you in the view, Etienne said. You look incredible. Anya smiled and turned to let Etienne capture what he was seeing. Etienne was a wordsmith too. His grasp of language meant he would pause, find the right words, and delight you with his wisdom. I miss him. I wish I could show you the beauty of his photographs. He is an artist. He captures the world and the soul of the landscape. The Camino provides a little pilgrim love. The Lebanese writer and poet Cahil Gibran we wanderers, ever seeking the lonelier way, begin no day where we have ended another day, and no sunrise finds us where sunset left us. Even while the earth sleeps, we travel. We are the seeds of the tenacious plant, and it is in our ripeness and our fullness of heart that we are given to the wind and are scattered. I ask my podcast guests from time to time, for one word, to sum up the Camino, they've said peace and freedom and it's transformative, it's grounded, trust is another one, community, love of course, creativity, connection, life, humble, inspired, liberated even. Paddy Pye, an American pilgrim and my guest in episode 99 of my podcast, said sensual. She said her senses were alive on the Camino. Listen to the bird song, the cowbells, the town and church bells, the crunching of the gravel beneath your feet. I don't listen to music when I walk because I want to be enveloped in the sound of my surroundings. Plenty of pilgrims want or need music in their heads to motivate them, to keep moving. I'm a little different. I love the noises of France and Spain. I say France because I'd read Bill Bennett's book, The Way, My Way, and he spoke about the cuckoo birds in the trees as he leaves saint jean pied de port I was walking up the hill on the very outskirts of the town when I heard them. I was so happy. We have cuckoos in Australia, but they're very, very rare. The birds just inside the French border were like something from a movie. It was magic, and I was really pleased I had the opportunity to hear them. The other joy of walking and listening is the joy of conversation. 
I ask people I walk with or beside, and there's a distinction there, I ask them, why are you walking the Camino? Often they don't know, or they're walking to find out. Others want a holiday, others reflection. Some walk for redemption or for forgiveness or for the opportunity to discover a bit more about themselves. It is a chance for discovery, whether you like it or not. Believe you can. You're halfway there. I mentioned Katie Trulson and her episode 43 of My Camino, the podcast, and she talked about just being. As each step hits the ground below, the worries fade, emotions flow. A new day dawns each day, a chance to let grow more, to sing and dance. In cobblestone courts, the music plays, thankful for much better days. Surrounded by old friends and new, my heart is full. My friends are true. And even though we're miles from home, not a day goes by where we feel alone. Each day I wake so light and free, I finally found what it is to just be. Hmm. A sign in a shop recently, I saw featured a quote from Buddha, the secret of health for both mind and body is not to mourn for the past, worry about the future or anticipate troubles but to live in the present moment wisely and earnestly. I think he's onto something. <laughs> there are a million guidebooks to help you prepare for your Camino. I'll just tell you what I've found. I'm no expert, but I've walked twice and spoken to more than 255 podcast guests, so I guess I've learned a thing or two. They say your backpack should generally weigh no more than 10% of your body weight. It's good advice. Generally, I think people carry too much. Get rid of the heavy stuff as my guest Lou Dregley said in episode 57 of My Camino, the podcast. Well, the same could be said for our everyday lives. Get rid of the rubbish you don't need. You'll need a good poncho, a raincoat. You'll need good shoes. Wear them in well before you arrive in Spain. And I met people in Roncesvalles who were buckled over in pain because they'd bought their backpack and shoes days before they left and hadn't become used to them. And I think it's a recipe for disaster. I don't like boots that come up over my ankles. Some people do. I like a shoe rather than a boot. And the reason I prefer one over the other is because I do my research. And someone once told me to shop for your shoes and backpack on the busy shopping days when the most experienced staff are on the floor. It worked for me and it will work for you. I arrived in Astoria in 2016, and a group of students from the local university had set up a first aid station in the front room of the municipal albergue. They were physiotherapy students and were asking questions, massaging and tending blisters, and, and generally and generously being very Spanishly. I know it's not a word, but they were just so gorgeous. And they asked about my backpack and told me to grab it off the floor beside my bed. So a couple of minutes later, four of them were standing around me, adjusting and pulling straps, and I was felt like an astronaut about to go into space. But by the time they'd finished, my pack fit perfectly, and it made a very, very big difference. So I'd been fitted with an empty pack, which apparently is a rookie mistake. You will need just one change of clothes. I know it's hard to fathom, but it's true. One change of clothes. You'll arrive at your albergue, have a shower, change into your spares and wash the clothes you were wearing. They'll dry in no time and in the Spanish sun, they come up brand new. Buy good clothes. Some of the hiking shirts and shorts are brilliant. They're made to breathe so that they don't stink and they dry in no time at all. Buy good socks too. You won't regret it. In one of my podcasts, the Canadian pilgrim Sarah Duma told me she rubs antiperspirant between her toes. Not the roll-on or the spray, the stick. She swears by it. She rubs it on the sole of her foot between her toes and says it stops the sweating that causes blisters. Some pilgrims carry walking wool. It's sheep's wool you slide into your sock when you feel a blister coming on, a hot spot. Germans carry what's called Gehwol cream. I hope I get that pronounced right. G-E-H-W-O-L. It's a foot rub you apply before heading out each day and it helps the sock and shoe slide against the foot to reduce abrasion. They swear by it. John Brearley's guidebook is the most recognised, I guess, English publication, and I took it in 2016 and I didn't open it. And I walked without a guidebook in 2017. You don't really need one. I was walking between Calzadilla de la Cueza and Sahun, 
and I met Kevin and his wife, Anne, Australian pilgrims from North Queensland. And I said to Kev, where are you headed today, mate? He said, uh, the top of the page. <laughs> he was a big fan of the guidebook. <laughs> I tend to go with the flow, provided, of course, you have good shoes, socks, uh, good clothes, and a good backpack. You've got all the time in the world for patience and love. My friend Ted, or I'm Ted, Ted Walker, sent me a poem by the American poet David White. Um, David is in, lives on the islands off Seattle, not far from Lee Brennan. Uh, and I've asked David to come on to the podcast a few times. And we hope to get it done in the not-too-distant future. Fingers crossed. But I love this poem, The Pilgrim. But your loss brought you here to walk under one name and one name only and to find the guise under which all loss can live. Remember, you were given that name every day along the way. Remember, you were greeted as such and treated as such and you needed no other name. Other people seemed to know you even before you gave up being a shadow on the road and came into the light. Even before you sat down, broke bread and drank wine, wiped the wind tears from your eyes. Pilgrim, they called you, over and over. Pilgrim, they called you, again and again. Pilgrim. That's the late Canadian fiddler Oliver Schroer and his album Camino. He's now passed away, died of leukemia a few years ago. Uh, he went to Spain, he walked the Camino, took his fiddle with him, much like Laurie Lee, and recorded in churches and in old buildings along the Camino. And he said that the album is an album of duets. It's the sound of his violin and the buildings he recorded in. Fantastic. So beautiful, isn't it? So lovely. If you want to buy yourself an, an album, it's you can buy it online. It's everywhere. It's just absolute magic. I have a Spanish friend here in Sydney. His name is Jose Luis Pedraza. We play music together and do gigs as a duo. Uh, and I refer to him as Mijamarano. He's one of my dearest friends, born and bred in Toledo, just outside of Madrid. Our sons sang in St. Mary's Cathedral Choir together. And I asked one day if he had heard of the Camino. Ah, he said, I've walked it three times, man. What is it you want to know? I said, uh, everything. <laughs> so Jose Luis taught me everything I needed to learn about the Camino, the people, the culture. He was and is incredible. And he said to me, when you get to Via Franco del Biezo, you must look up my friend Pablo. Okay, I said, okay, Pablo, right? Villa Franca del Biezo, got it. Wrote it in my notebook. And there are traces of human activity in that area, Via Franca del Biezo, going back 12,000 years. It's wine country, it's beautiful scenery, breathtaking landscapes and horizons that seem to go on forever. In 2016, I checked into Albergue Phoenix. It earned its name because it was burned to the ground and then rebuilt by pilgrims using donated material from across the region. I'd actually forgotten all about Pablo. And I was relaxing in the courtyard with three Canadians, easing into a long, lazy Spanish afternoon when I heard, Where is Dan? <laughs> Dan? <laughs> this voice ringing out across the courtyard, this deep voice. And someone said, I think he's saying Dan. And I said, oh, I I'm Dan. And I reached out to shake his hand. He was the quintessential Spanish farmer, Pablo. Come, he said. And he took me up into the mountains without really saying very much. It was a very hot day. And we walked a slight trail through the woods and arrived at this beautiful, beautiful watering hole. And he said, we swim. And we did. Just the two of us in a secluded water hole in the Spanish mountains. I'd never be able to find it again, even if I tried. I was kind of blissfully lost. And we drove back into town and pulled up in the heart of the old city and an arch-shaped green timbered door loomed large in a largely colourless street. Pablo pulled a key from his pocket and opened a door within the larger door and we stepped into a cobbled archway. He said, this is my cellar. And he opened a second door into a room lined with wine bottles, a table, a chair, a fridge with cold beer 
Pablo's family have been winemakers in this region for more than 500 years. This building had been in the family since the beginning of that business. And he took me to the underground cellars where, for hundreds of years, his family has stored timber barrels of wine. A small pit was where they crushed the grapes beneath their feet. And a little channel ran from that pit to the cellar below. This is where they plied their trade for generation after generation for hundreds and hundreds of years. Now, it was Pablo's turn. He had reinvented the business. He was selling organic grapes to winemakers in other parts of Europe, and he kept this, the best for himself and bottled his own blend of exquisite wines. My favourite was Elvino di Los Consulas de Roma, 2014. We drank, we ate, we sang. Pablo keeps an old guitar in the corner of the bar. He handed it to me and we sang together. He said, you must come back and play here for me and my friends and my family. Do a proper gig. I said, I will. So I've played there twice now. In 2017, I performed for the end of his harvest for his friends and family and for pilgrims. And I also played for him in 2018 when we shot the video for Somewhere Along the Way, the Camino song. The closing scenes of pilgrims singing and dancing is in the courtyard at Pablo's. Go see for yourself. I call Pablo the gentleman winemaker. He and his family are divine. And so is the wine. It's called La Torre. It's at 64 Cal del Agua in Villafranca del Piezo. September 2017, and I arrived in Laroño starving. I was so hungry. The municipal albergue has a fountain built into the paving in the courtyard where pilgrims can rest their feet in the cooling water. A vending machine sells one euro ice-cold beers. My friend Brett and I sat for a while with our new friends from around the world before trying to find somewhere to eat, but nothing was open. We found a nice restaurant down by the river Ebro, white linen tablecloths and a mastrodi. He looked us up and down and was shaking his head, no, this is no turisto, no peregrino place, no. I said, look, I have cash. <laughs> the language that maitre d's all over the world understand. <laughs> so he, he sort of, okay, waved us in and glanced up and down the street as we entered to make sure that no one saw us. The room was kind of dark. It was full of Spanish couples and families. They were enjoying a long Sunday lunch, and we sat down and ordered. Well, we didn't quite order. We asked the waitress, you choose for us. We would like maybe something that you think we should have, your suggestion, your recommendation. She said, Cuisa de la region, cheese of the region. So three local slices of cheese cut into triangles, a soft cheese, a medium cheese, and a hard cheese. And you can't adequately describe Spanish cheese. You have to try it. It is so beautiful. For the main course, the waiter suggested, I'm going to get this terribly wrong, uh, carne de vacuno and queso divina azul. It was seared beef in blue vein cheese. And we'd walked almost 30 kilometers that day, I think six and a half hours, and it was possibly the best steak I've ever eaten. The cheese, beef, and bread washed down with some local beer and red wine was one of the greatest meals I've ever had. And it cost a total of 32 euros each. Later, we sat with the restaurant staff, telling them stories about Australia, long yarns, stories about drop bears, snakes and crocodiles. It was just the most wonderful lunch, just an absolutely beautiful place. It's down by the river in Loroño, La Cidreria San Gregorio, and La Cal San Gregorio in Loroño, down by the river. The English poet Francis Qualls lived from 1592 to 1644. And he said, the world's an inn, and I her guest. I eat, I drink, I take my rest. My hostess, nature, does deny me nothing wherewith she can supply me. Where having stayed a while, I pay her lavish bills and go my way. St. James, or Santiago, is the patron saint of Spain. His image is everywhere. There are feast days and festivals and statues and sculptures and cathedrals and processions and hymns and masses and entire towns and cities in his honour. The greatest tribute is the Santiago Tart. 
It's a cake made from ground almonds. It's usually the third course of a pilgrim meal. I could eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And there are some great recipes online, and you will not regret it. It's amazing. And I think the food generally in Spain is delicious. Paella and pulpo and stews and pizza and pie and lots of cured meats and eggs and bread and lots of it. And the Spanish also eat a lot of tortilla, baked potato and egg pie. It's wholesome and heavy. I didn't like it so much. But if you're at a bar, you'll be served pincho with your drink. It's a small serving of food, most often a piece of tortilla, perhaps serrano and bread or olives, maybe bell peppers. A taster, really. Nothing more. You won't pay for it. It's handed to you. But I was in Sahun in 2016, is sitting at the bar at La Taberna de Moguel in the Plaza Mayor. And every time I ordered a beer, they would give me another slice of cured ham. They were the, I thought they were the most generous people I'd ever met. But it was a pincho. Uh, I just loved it. They took great pride in being able to show off the local produce. I lost 10 kilograms when I walked in 2016 and 14 kilos in 2017. So the food is magic. You can eat all you like because you'll burn it up. You'll have had very little sleep with the snorers, the midnight peers, compulsive rollers, sleep talkers, sleep walkers. Someone's alarm will ring at 4 a.m., which doesn't make any sense. If you're heading off at 4.15, you're walking in the dark for at least three hours. So what's the point? But a lot of the 4 a.m. alarmers hit snooze. So you can look forward to being woken up at 10-minute intervals until they too have had enough of being reminded how rude they are. (laughs) So come 5 a.m., you'll be cranky, tired, sore, annoyed, belligerent, and then someone will turn on the lights. At 5 a.m., they're the only person awake preparing to walk, but they turn on all the lights. They have a light on their phone. Most have a headlamp, but they'll turn on all the lights. You may be lucky and score the trifecta. The person who'd been snoring above you all night wakes up at 5 a.m. and turns on the light. (laughs) This Camino is such a wonderful experience. 6 a.m., everybody's up because they've had enough of the aforementioned albergue waltz. Now the real dancing begins. Showering and brushing teeth and packing packs and trying to find your shoes, your walking poles, your friends, your guidebook, your credential, your hat all before you head out into the Camino to maybe walk, I don't know, 30 kilometres. Seven bells. Now you're on the Camino and life is good. Most pilgrims walk around four kilometres an hour. So if you have somewhere in your neighbourhood one kilometre away, it should take you 15 minutes to walk there, the average pace a pilgrim keeps. Other pilgrims walk six kilometres an hour. They rush by you all the time. Some call it the pilgrim gift. It's almost like a race. Honestly, there's no point. You'll largely find a bed. If you do the sums, if you're walking 28 kilometers in a day, it should take you around seven hours of walking. Then you plan your little breaks. Eight o'clock comes around. You've been on the Camino for an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Coffee and breakfast time. The coffee with milk is a cafe con leche. The orange juice in Spain is to die for. Toast, cafe con leche and orange juice will set you back about three and a half euros. Okay, so now it's 9am, you're with friends enjoying the sights and sounds of the Camino de Santiago, just as millions of pilgrims have done before you. Go into churches in little towns and take the weight off your feet and your mind. Be still for a moment or two, maybe sing a song quietly to yourself. Try to remember a hymn from your childhood, How Great Thou Art, or Amazing Grace. You'll find your space. Okay, so now it's 10 o'clock, You're halfway through your walking day. Stop when you see friends another coffee. The locals will be already enjoying a beer. Join them. Why not? Have a cerveza. By now, you're starting to make up your mind about where you'll stay that night. There are plenty of apps available that help you book a bed. I chose not to, but I understand these days it's much busier, so I think it's going to be a necessity next time I'm there. I had never in the past been turned away from an albergo, but I understand it's happening now. I stayed mainly in municipal albergues, and they're the most rudimentary, I guess, accommodation in town, so it wasn't always people lining up wanting to stay where I stayed. At about 11 o'clock, it's lunchtime, you're taking off your pack, you place it against the wall and sit in one of those plastic chairs beneath an umbrella, and it's heaven. Great friends, great food, maybe have a beer, maybe a wine, you've earned it. Then midday comes around, 
you're starting to think about when you're going to head to your destination or how far you are. You maybe got five or six hours of walking behind you. You'll have an hour or two or three ready to go, head down, a good conversation. You take in the spectacular scenery because you know once you get to your destination, your effort will have paid off. So let's say it's 2, 2.30, you've made it. You check into the albergo. The average cost would be around, I don't know, eight euros. Some are as cheap as five. Some you pay 12. Then there are Donativo albergues where you pay what you can afford. Some people take advantage of the Donativos and pay a few cents. It's not my place to be judging anyone, but if an individual or an organization has gone to the trouble of offering you somewhere to rest your head, you ought to pay, I think, a fair price. I won't be a complainer, but I'm always grateful for small mercies. So by the time three o'clock comes around, you've had a shower, some are cold water only, you've washed your clothes, hand-washed, hung your gear out to dry, and you're done for the day. But the sun won't go down for at least another six or seven hours. So a lot of pilgrims have an afternoon sleep, a kip, a snooze. I don't, because it often means I roll around all night. Once I'm done with my chores, I generally find somewhere comfortable to sit out the afternoon with some friends, a couple of beers, a long, lazy, slow Spanish afternoon watching the world go by, sitting with friends or strangers from around the world, telling stories or listening to stories, one of life's true joys. About seven o'clock, you have a pilgrim's dinner. Most albergues, cafes and restaurants offer what's called a pilgrim's menu. It'll be eight, 10 or 12 euros for a three-course meal. You might, if you're lucky... Get some rock melon uh, wrapped in serrano, then a paella, maybe followed by a slice of Santiago tart. You'll also receive a carafe of red or white wine to wash it down. And honestly, it doesn't get any better than that. 10 p.m. is curfew. When you first learn of the curfew, there's kind of much gnashing of teeth. But to be honest, it's a godsend. You have to be home at a certain time and you'll at least get some sleep. If the curfew is 10 p.m., it will be lights out and silence at 10.15, and then the nighttime symphony begins all over again. <laughs> Your Camino will begin again the following day. Yeah. 
finds you in full bloom Somewhere along the way Somewhere along the way I hope you find what you're looking for Somewhere along the way On this Christmas night, Bernie Somewhere along the way Blessings to you and to yours Somewhere along the way I hope you find what you're looking for Somewhere along the way Thank you for your company this week and every week. It means the world to me. It really does. A very special thank you for my Patreon sponsors. You can sponsor me by going to patreon.com forward slash Mullins. It's going to be a wonderful year, full of journeys and stories, full of inspiration and discovery, full of friends and loved ones, and hopefully a Camino too. Before we finish for the week, I'll leave you again with the words of Mother Teresa. Life is an opportunity. Benefit from it. Life is beauty. Admire it. Life is a dream. Realize it. Life is a challenge. Meet it. Life is a duty. Complete it. Life is a game. Play it. Life is a promise. Fulfill it. Life is sorrow. Overcome it. Life is a song. Sing it. Life is a struggle. Accept it. Life is a tragedy. Confront it. Life is an adventure. Dare it. Life is luck. Make it. Life is too precious. Do not destroy it. Life is life. Fight for it. Until next week, walk on, my friends. Five years gone and many more to come. I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino.